Welcome back. I am Mike Barrett, and we are happy to present another episode of Stories of the Saints. Today's guest is Brother Eric Odita from Kenya, Kisumu, Kenya. He is here in the States. Uh, He's been here about a week. He is going to be preaching a series at Missionary Branch on March 10th through the 13th, and he very kindly agreed to come and share his testimony of Jesus. So welcome, Brother Eric. Thank you very much, Brother Mike. We will just start right off by most people in the church know you, but we have listeners from across uh, the United States and in a couple other countries. So just tell me a little bit about your family, who who they are. Okay, I'm married Pamela Odida. We've got two sons, uh, Dean and Presler. Uh, they are uh, young men right now, not uh, not boys. Star Presley is a medical doctor. Uh, Dean is uh, 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 yeah, studied to be a chef, and uh, oh. both of them are, are <laughs> in good health, and we feel very blessed in them. Yep. Do they live close to you or with you? Uh, Dean lives with us, uh, but Presley lives close by us, but he's on his own. Okay. Right. Do you get to try out some of his cooking? Does he cook for you? And oh, when he's in the mood, he does a good job. Yeah, <laughs> very good. He loves cooking. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Eric. Uh, what is one thing you miss from your country when you come here to the United States? Uh, not including your family, because I'm sure you miss your family. But besides your family, what's one thing you really miss from your country while you're here? I think well, the one thing that I miss it comes very easily to me is being in the mission field. It, you, you, you feel alive. And uh, most of the saints or most of the people, especially the new uh, people that you go to their homes, are those who have uh, not received the gospel. And how when you get to them, some of them are uh, in conditions that are, you'd say they're poor, they are, uh, some of them are alcoholic, some of them are just not responsible family people. But as you start working with them and you see the changes take place in their lives and you see them come around and you see the Lord blessing them, uh, you really, really feel the joy. And it's something I want to be doing and, and, and I miss. Oh, so you miss the, the uh, um, sorry, I got an alarm going off of some sort. Hang on a second. Okay. Silence our cell phones. So. What is one thing when you're uh, here in the United States, besides the people and the saints, that you really enjoy when you come here? Oh, I definitely enjoy the worship. Uh, In the past, it used to be the summer series. Uh, When the Waldo, you know, the sanctuary at Waldo will be filled with the saints, and they'll be singing songs of uh, restoration, songs of Zion, that just used to be a wonder for me. Mm. And I miss those days very, very much. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what, what is a major difference between the worship with the saints here and the worship in Kenya, or, or is it similar? Well, to some extent, uh, where the saints are, the spirit is the same. Uh, however humble uh, their you know, worship conditions or their homes, when you go into the environment where the saints are, uh, are, are, are living or where they worship the spirits, it's generally the same. But uh, programs do differ sometimes. And uh, you know, one thing that you recognize is because of the economic uh, and social differences of the people. 
uh, back in Kenya, uh, uh, life, the Lord is alive with the people. Uh, you find the people who don't have uh, medical insurance, uh, they don't have money to take kids to school, uh, to, to the hospital. So prayer is everything for them. Mm. And so when they come to worship, uh, they come very needy. They come looking for answers and, and sincerely, and, uh, and, 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 and that's just what it is. And I know it's not different from here, but it's just because of their level of need is, uh, is so deep and so basic. Sometimes it's, uh, it's a little different, yeah. Mm. Yeah, we have one program at Kisumu branch that I attend, <coughs> run, uh, which is usually uh, led by Brother Walter and Diti. Uh, it's a, it's a, we, we start at 8 in the morning. It's a, a song service. Um, after song, then we go to prayers, then we go to testimonies. It's a wholesome meal to the soul. Oh. He's led it over a period of time. He prepares so, so sub, superbly well. Whenever I'm out, uh, whether in missionary field, whether it's here, I miss that uh-huh. because it's a wholesome meal. It's a blessing. The saints come needy, but they start by praising the Lord. Then they get into prayers. Then they share testimonies of what the Lord has done for them. It's quite something. Is that uh, what? What days is that on? It's on Sundays. On Sundays. Yeah, yep. That's interesting that with the level of needs over there, uh, probably compared to the physical needs and things here, that they they would have opportunity to ask the Lord for help and things, but they start with praising Him. That's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. that's what it is. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful worship. There are times, in fact, this when I was here, my wife sent me a message, told me that uh, uh, it was going so well. And, but it was time, and Walter felt like he needed to carry it there so that they could go into the next part of the program. But the saints said, "No, let it roll on." And uh-huh. so, so it moved into you know into another two three hours, just the same. And it it comes to that sometimes. Yep. They wanted to stay in the pra- the praise portion. Yes, the praise and prayer and testimony portion. That's just where they spend a lot of time. Oh wow! And I can pre- I can understand that. Mm. Yeah. Well, Eric, did you grow up Christian or in the Restoration, or did you come to hear of Christ at a later time in your life? I was born and raised Anglican. Okay. My grandfather and grandmother were Anglicans. Is that similar to Catholic? That's Church of England. Church of England, yeah, okay. Yeah, similar to Catholic, but, but not, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, <clears throat> so you grew up knowing of God. Did you go to church or worship often? I grew up knowing God. I grew up in a family that was very limited in terms of uh, things that we needed materially and physically. And so God was our everything. We, there are many times we didn't have food that uh, we literally had to pray for the next meal to come. There are mm. many times when mama was sick and had been sickly or bedridden for days and we had to pray even as little kids, to for, for a miracle to happen. We lived uh, miracle lives. It was, everything had to be a miracle. Mm. That's, that's how it was, yes. <laughs> oh. So uh, when did you um, come to hear of the Book of Mormon, the, the Restoration Gospel? I was at uh, the University of Nairobi, and uh, I was uh, uh, a student there, and uh, I met a girl, 
uh, whose parents uh, who had been baptized in the church when she was eight years old. And uh, when I went to visit her uh, for the first time, there was a copy of the Book of Mormon on a coffee table right in front of me. And uh, I picked the book there as uh, I sat there waiting for her to bring uh, you know, tea from the kitchen. Uh, we were alone with her in the house. We were just the two of us, and she'd gone to the kitchen to make tea. And so there was just this black bound book which was right in front of me there, on the table in front of me. There was nothing else to do. There was no newspaper to read, no television to watch, no radio to listen to. There was just quietness with that book there. So I picked the book, opened it on a page and, and started reading it, and something happened. The Spirit just, sometime into reading through, the Spirit just came to me and I started having this feeling that was warm, that was joyful inside me, and I said, wow, what is this? And as I read on, and when she later on came in and, and asked her about the book, because I never knew anything about the book. I had no bias for it. But no bias. Nothing right. whatsoever. Okay. And so she told me, well, it's a, it's, it's a book, it's, it's a scripture. And I said, well, how come I've never heard about it? She couldn't tell me much about it. Uh, her parents were not there also to help. So I asked if I could borrow the book, and she accepted. And that started my journey. Was that book written in um, English? Yeah, it was written in English. It had been uh, taken by the early missionaries, RLDS missionaries, and they had uh, baptized my wife and her family. She was eight at the time, and uh, and her father and her mother and her family were baptized. And uh, this, we, So is this girl you met, Pam? This is where this, I met This wife. was your wife? Yes. She became your wife? Yes. So her family, how did they come to know the gospel? There was a relative of theirs, uh, uh, my mother-in-law's brother. He had attended Graceland University College, oh. College yes. And while he was there, uh, he, made, he became a part of the church. And then uh, he had friends who came to visit him back in Kenya, and those were uh, church people. And then those church people were able to convert the family. Okay. But... But the thing that took place is uh, uh, during some time there, the missionaries stopped going back to Kenya and the church kind of mm -hmm. ceased to be. Uh, it, they just ceased to be and they went back to, their, to the church that they had come from. Right. Yeah. So tell me when you took this book home and began to read it, what were some thoughts that you had? <clears throat> I, I, was, I, was, um, I, was, I used to, uh, the best book in the Bible for me used to be the book of Psalms. Oh, of yeah. David, and I would read them aloud many times for myself until I would feel this freedom, this 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 nice feeling would come to me, and that's what led me into the Book of Mormon because <clears throat> I could get the same feeling that I was getting reading the Psalms aloud, but it came very quickly and mm. it came very with intensity, and that warmth, that joy filled me up, and I just knew this is this is this is God. This is this something that I usually read, get when I'm reading the Book of Psalms. So anyway, I went just to read. I had no bias, so I read on and on, and there was instructions. There were truths that this book was telling me about, things that were right in the walk of a Christian, and so that's just how my journey began. But it didn't begin there. At the University uh, of Nairobi, I was uh, I had a roommate. Tom and myself and Tom were sharing a room, but Tom was a Catholic, 
and I was an Anglican. Mm-hmm. And the Tom came from uh, a fairly religious family as, as mine too. So every Sunday, Tom will, uh, myself and Tom, because we were buddies, I'll go to his church. Mm-hmm. Then the next Sunday, he'll come to my church. Then like that, like the alternately. But I found some things with the Catholic church that uh, I just didn't like at all. So mm-hmm. I started pointing them out. I tell, come on, your church is wrong. Look at these and these and these that they're practicing. And they're not in the scriptures. Uh, look at these. And of course, as he started coming to Anglican church, he started seeing some things which are <laughs> also, you know, not right. And he started pointing them out. So as time went, we realized, oh, is there possible that there is a church that that's right? Because obviously Anglican is not wholesomely right. There are some things which are right about it, but some things which are not right. Catholic, similarly, there are some things which are right, but uh, some things which are not right. So we said, is there a church then that has everything that's right? And so we started uh, inviting uh, church ministers to our college room. Oh, okay. Every week we'll visit different church and we'll be able to invite a, a pastor and a pastor maybe will send somebody to come to visit us. We'll ask them questions and then the next and we'll find problems here. We'll say, oh, that's not right. Until we came to a church that we felt uh, met our needs and it would interest you that that church was Jehovah's Witness. The uh-huh. reason why we felt like they were, they were meeting our need was because they were ready to answer from the scriptures. If you ask them a question, mm. they look at the scriptures or they'll tell you, we are going to look for answers. We'll come back to you next week, but they'll point the scriptures. Others did not do that. I like that. They didn't feel like they had to, to know everything, but they said, let, let us come back and we'll answer you. So that appealed to our young man uh, that was seeking at the time. And somehow we just never joined mm. uh, the, 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 the Jehovah's Witness, even though we settled on them. Did you go to some of their services? Yes, we did. Okay. We Welcome did. to in? We did, and we were welcomed very, mm. very warmly. But somehow we kept on postponing until I came upon this book. And when I'd read it through, and I was absolutely sure this is the Word of God, I gave it to my friend Tom, and Tom looked at Tom and said, Eric, must be something must be wrong with you. According to his word, he says uh, he knew me as the most balanced most balanced person, you know, in his life. He couldn't imagine that I was taking that book to the Word of God. So being close to me, he took the book and a pen and paper. He was going to read through and find all the bad things with the book, <laughs> the wrong things, the evil things, so that he could help me out of this book. Out of that, it, that just was, like with the Anglican church. He was pointing out the wrong things. So he, was, he, was, he took it like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, when he came halfway through the book... He knew this was the word of God. Ah. And the spirit ministered to him and Tom knew this is what we've been looking for. So it was, it was the Lord who started us somewhere. So you and your buddy both were able to join the church. Oh, yes, he's an elder in the church. Yes, Tom Okayo. Okayo, yeah. Yes. I've heard his name, even um, though I've never been. He was baptized and he was baptized after me. And uh, that's a favor that the Lord did to us. Yeah. I want to go back to your experience of reading the book. Did it, did it seem easier to understand than the Bible, in your opinion? Uh, to me, it seemed. Yes. Maybe because uh, of, of, of the manner in which it captivated me. Mm-hmm. But my best experience with it, that was, that was a wonderful introduction. But come the year 2000, uh, I was called to be an elder in the church. Mm. And 
I decided the day that I was going to be, uh, the week I was going to be ordained, I decided I was going to take time and prepare. So I took days fasting and praying. No water, no food, just pleading with the Lord. If this is your charge, and uh, it's in the pattern of the 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 church that was left with the, with the apostolic church, in the continuation of that, then I want to see a testimony. And I was silly in my in what I presented to the Lord. I wanted uh, uh, a testimony, but I wanted to see smoke and fire. Mm. I wanted to see fire, and I'm not kidding. I was telling Lord, this is your work. I want fire. And there's a corner that was in the house where we were living. There was a corner. And I said it, moved things, and I said, I want that fire, the kind of fire that was there for Moses when uh, when he came to the bush, the burning bush. Mm. And I knew it was not going to burn things. <clears throat> but I wanted to see the fire there because uh, it's that it, there was fire, but, but nothing was burned. So that's what I was pleading for. It must be silly. And, and I agree. Today I look back and I say, why was I asking for that? Mm. But that's what I presented to the Lord. I prayed, I prayed, I fasted, I prepared. The missionaries who had come from the USA uh, were there that day. They uh, ordained me. And uh, I looked at the corner, there was no fire. Hmm. Uh, the prayers that were offered on me, well, they were just good words. But I didn't feel like anything hmm. was different. That night, they left and returned to the U.S., but they had left me with a new copy of the Book of Mormon, Restored Covenant Editions. Ah. It was one of the first copies that had come. Mm-hmm. They gave me that book. They left me. I left them at the airport, returned to the house, and said, well, now that I'm a priesthood member, I'm going to read this book from the beginning to the end so that I can now teach as a priesthood member. Well, I started from page one, from just the very, very first page. But somewhere there, something happened. As I read, I started feeling this warmth, exceeding joy and warmth and tingling and this this all thing that just invaded my entire being. And I was like transported back to where these guys were, where the testimonies were taking place. It's like I was there. It's like I was seeing this thing. Mm. And I was understanding these things. I couldn't understand where they were coming from, where they were going to, why they were doing this. What I was like, oh, that's why we have this. Oh, that's why this happened like this. Oh, that's why the Bible says this. I could now get everything. And this went on. That night, I read until four in the... And my wife was sleeping next to me in the bed. I kept on waking up. This... Can you just listen to this? This is what it says. <laughs> but do you know this is what this I'm trying to explain to her? At about four in the morning, she told me, look, I need to sleep. Mm-hmm. I need to go to, please just turn off the light because it's going to be morning and I've not slept just because you kept on waking me up. <laughs> anyway, I was afraid that if I went to sleep, that I'll lose that. Uh-huh. But anyway, I went to sleep and very early in the morning, I woke up and I opened the book and just poop on again. And whenever I was going, whether it was in the car, whatever, it was this feeling was me throughout the entire book. And I could everything fell right into place. I I could I could I could see the reasons why certain things had happened. I could see why God did this. I could everything was like explained to me. And I was right there. Mm. It was it was really 
the true moment of being born again for me. Uh-huh. And, uh, and that, uh, after, at the close of the Book of Mormon, I picked and I went through the Doctrine and Covenant, and that same feeling was with me. And after that, I went to the New Testament, and that same feeling was with me. The most important thing here is this. I didn't have a job at the time. I'd just come from the U.S. And, uh, and uh, I would go to some of my former college mates. One of them was, uh, was a big shot in a, in a very respected company. And I would to go look for work. And uh, so he'd ask me, what that you're carrying? So I'd tell him about the book. And then he said, what does it have? And I start sharing with him the testimonies. But you know what? He could see. Mm. And he could fail. I remember his uh, secretary coming to, to, to kind of to tell him that people wanted to see him because he had taken so much time with me. <laughs> he told the secretary, just have them wait. Mm-hmm. The reason is because there was fire inside me. You remember the fire I'd asked for the Lord? Right. The Lord gave me the fire, but he gave me in his wisdom, not the fire that burned in that corner and remained, but the fire that I could carry with me wherever I went. And this friend of mine could feel the fire. I could see he was, he was, he was drinking these. I could mm. see these was things I was saying were making sense to him. He was a very busy man, but time did not matter as long as I was there with him. That fire is a fire that I could be able to share with others wherever, wherever I went. It reminds uh, me of the Book of Mormon says uh, they may be weak in writing, but they love to speak because the Holy Ghost would carry their words to the hearts of the of the people, that's, but you have to have that fire first. So that's what it is. And you were taught. Would you say you were being taught from on high, taught from the Holy Spirit yes, itself? Yes, 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 yes. Mm. They were just opening those things. Those words were not words anymore. They were more like I was transported to those places. My heart was filled, like almost like bursting out with this. And there's this song I found the glorious gospel. Oh man, it just filled my head like I'm reading this book, but the song is just mm-hmm. singing and singing, singing, filling my entire hearing. That was yeah. really, really my my point of truth. I thought that I'd gotten the, the you know the the the, the 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 turnabout earlier on, but that moment has never left me. That's interesting. I, I told you we recorded earlier this morning. We talked about being born again as opposed to uh, you know, having hands laid on your head for the baptism of the Spirit, or like when Alma completely recognized his need for Christ, or he was dead without him, and he says, at that moment, I was born again. Yeah. I think that's very true. And I think, I think uh, maybe, I think there is kind of progression. Mm-hmm. Then there could be that time of just bursting forth. Uh, some people, maybe it's something that's uh, throughout their lives, uh, some people maybe it happened very very early. Some people maybe instantly when you are when you are confirmed. Right. But some people something else triggers it, and that's just it. But it has to happen at some point for everyone. We it, have to. It has to happen. It's very okay. important that it happens. It's very important. Yeah. Do you um, remember anything that you were seeing about Jesus in a new way during those times? Because the Book of Mormon mentions him so much. I mean, just so often. I think the one thing that has uh, been brought back to me right now, uh, in this latter time also, uh, right now, is what I saw at the time, is this idea of, of, of Jesus living inside me. Mm. That to, he's saying that he and the Father are one, mm-hmm. and therefore he's praying that we too may be one with him. 
and so that we and him and the Father may be one, that we may dwell inside him as he dwells inside the Father. That really, really, really stood out for me. And at the time, I got just like that, that Jesus must dwell inside me. And, 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 and as the Father dwells inside him, and with that, he and I and the Father would be one. That made a lot of sense for me, that something inside me here must be filled afresh. And for that to take place, something must be, be emptied so that there is room for, for that filling up to take place. That was really outstanding for me. Mm. And as time has gone on, I've understood the covenant aspect of what that was talking about. And that has made so much sense to me. I can now see clearly. The covenant aspect. Can you elaborate on that? Oh, that's that's something that will require, and uh, 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 I'd be glad to come uh, revisit that. Uh, oh, another visit? Yeah, please. I'd, I'd, I'd love to do that. Okay. If there'll be a chance for that, I'd be glad to do that because that's so key. People say Jesus came to die for them, and they're right. People say that Jesus came to save us, and we're right. But there's nothing, according to me, there's no way that understanding can be conveyed to us until we understand the covenant. Mm. It's only in the covenant that that's explained exactly how Jesus did it. Because if you ask somebody, how did Jesus save you? Or how did he die for you? And as you go ahead, there's no way that you can truly be able to explain how his death really affects you directly, except in the context of the covenant. That explains it so clearly. And you can see exactly, and you say, surely, surely, he died for me. Mm. Covenant does it, and and I'll look forward to to, to another session if God will give us. Yes, because that's uh, the one question it, it seems to come down to me is understanding that that death and atonement uh, so important. And I, you get to the point where you're like, why, why wasn't, why couldn't you have made another mm. way? And then you know, I just accept it on faith. But yes. if there's more understanding to be had, yes. I yes. would. Yes, it's always we've accepted on faith. But that is small. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> you got. I got to get you back in here then, if you want to. If you want to do it the next time, I, I very much appreciate okay. that. Yeah. Well, tell me, Eric, from your perspective, and, and be free to. Uh, we understand that you love the saints and you love the Lord, and, and that you don't say anything out of condemnation. But tell me some of the barriers or things you see maybe in the church today that are keeping people from. Um, from accepting Jesus or, or being in relationship with him in a greater way? To me, I tend to think, uh, basically, you can talk of the surface things. But, uh, you can say uh, in the country like America, you can say that people are comfortable mm-hmm. or relatively comfortable. And because of that, sometimes you don't see the need for, for God. In fact, sometimes you may see even that God interferes <laughs> with your, the enjoyment of, of this life. Uh, some may may view it like that, and 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 sometimes it's just like uh, there is just what else? Why, why do I need God? Uh, people can ask that, but uh, I think that surface. The real thing is when we don't understand the core, which is the covenant for me. When we understand that, and we don't understand the promise that God gave to Abraham, which is found in the book of Genesis, chapter twelve, verse one and two. And then you go ahead in the other uh, chapters that talk about the covenant, like chapter 15, chapter 17, chapter 22, when we don't know what it is. Because look, when God talks to the children of Israel, when he's getting them from Egypt to Canaan, uh, he's telling them what they're going to get. 
the other side is talking to them that they're going to a country that's uh, that's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. There had to be a reason why they were going, mm. such that they'll compare what they had and what they were leaving behind and what they were going to get, and that was the motivation behind, you know, what 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 was taking them there. Also, there was the case of of, of freedom but which somehow they were willing to compromise as long as they could satisfy the physical needs. But God tell them, look, this is the land you're taking you to. So that, where we are going to, that has to be clearly spelled out so that one can compare with what is here right now and where we are going to. When that understanding is brought to us, and that's only the Spirit of God that can help us to understand that. And I believe that that's in the context of the covenants and promises. It's very, very much clear in the, even the Bible promises, by the way, the Bible teaches uh, the covenants fairly well. I'm really surprised at that. But the detail of this, the expansion of this, is from the Book of Mormon, is from the DNC, it's also expanded. And when that is brought to the understanding, even a small way so that one can start searching for themselves, then you can be able to see, say, whoa, we are possibly missing, missing something bigger here than we know. But I think it's something that only only God can help us to. I come from a covenant background. Mm. Immediately we were born, we were taught the language with which we are taught to a covenant language. As a little baby, you are taught, look, if you do this, you'll be blessed. If you don't do this, you'll not be blessed. And always as a little guy, you'll be told this will happen to mama. If you don't do things oh. like this, your mama will suffer. Mama's breast will fall out. Something oh. like that. Things that will make you cause mama and breast and milk, those are basic to a little guy. But as you grow up, then you're told of how this will bring blessings to your family or curse upon your family. Then, as you become an elder, you are taught, you get to know how this will affect the whole clan, either positively or negatively. So these are just some of the things that it's a covenant language that you are taught right from the word go. Unfortunately, this is missing in my teaching my children today because we are living in the city. We are not in the tribal areas anymore. So those of us who grew up in the village within the clan and tribal clan environment, we understand more mm. the covenants okay. than those who, are, yeah, those who are born lately. I have several follow-up questions, but I will hold off on those until hopefully we get you back in here. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you said you're one of the things, well, the thing you miss the most is being in the mission field and watching people's lives change. Can you uh, give me an example or two or three uh, of someone that you saw uh, come into relationship with I'll, Jesus? I'll talk of Wilson Oyata. He's an elder in the Church of Jesus Christ now. When uh, Wilson? Yes. Okay. When Wilson first uh, uh, came to the church, before he came in, he was aching uh, uh, a living, doing some manual work uh, in a marketplace. He uh, was uh, using alcohol, using drugs, and just living a very, very loose life. Uh, he had no, no home no home. He just lived from place to place. Mm. He was he was he was untidy. He was he was hopeless. That's what I would say. He really had no hope to live from today to he just lived by the day, and uh, and, uh, and 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 he wasn't anybody that you could say even within his family. If anything happened, they would think it's important to tell him within his you know family. 
But Wilson got to come into the gospel. Change took place in his life. He returned back to the village. For him, that's what he decided to do. And he left the kind of trade that he was in. The Lord cleaned him up of alcohol, of drugs, of loose living. And he started settling down as a proper family man. Wilson became the central point where the church in that place, you know, started gathering up. And people were getting converted. The Wilson's place is where they came up. Ah. Today, Wilson is a respected elder, not just in the church alone, but in the community. Today, he's a chairman of their clan, which he could never have got in a place that has very highly educated men and women. He's their chairman. That was far from him. But apart from that is the fact that his family is living. They're not rich people, but they're very organized life. There is a hope. You could see children going to school. You could see them advancing in their education. You could see them having hope that tomorrow they'll be able to get careers that would be able to help them, you know, in their lives, which was not there because he was not there to set an example for them. There was nothing that he was telling them that would have given them a hope that tomorrow they could be any different people than what he was at the time. And his whole life, his whole family just changed up, just changed. And he himself, Wilson goes everywhere sharing testimonies of whom he was and how the Lord came into his life and changed him, then changed everything about him, including his children, his wife that he got that they used to fight every day, the kind of love that they're living with right now that enables the children to grow up, you know, mm. in an environment that's peaceful and loving. He talks about these things here. That's what it is. But apart from that is that the Lord has enabled him to start doing business that's of selling cattle. Okay. That's just kind of improved his income level to the extent that he's take well, is able to take care of his family well. The Lord blesses you all all the way. Mm. It's it's all the way, yes. Because he learned to be a good steward, he learned stewardship and he knew very, very well that the only way for blessings is when you're a good steward and when you start being accountable or a steward to God and he's practicing that, yeah. What's uh, what's another person that you can think of that... I'll give a testimony of Hulda Simba. Hulda was, uh, is, a, is a lady. Hulda? Yes. Okay. And uh, this lady used to be... Uh, 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 she started by... She was a businesswoman, but she got into alcohol. And not just herself, but herself and her husband and her children. They started using alcohol in excess. And this is not the normal alcohol you have here. Those are alcohol that are made from very, very, from very destructive chemicals oh. that are brewed together and they, they are very, very dangerous to your health. But the people there, the stronger, the better. But that's mostly because you're escaping something. You, mm-hmm. you want to be knocked out, you're escaping something. And so Hulda, his her business went under. Mm. She started brewing alcohol to sell to people. But she also started... She was drinking and selling. That does not make good business sense. Uh, so she take advantage of th- that. That went. Then she started now leaving or going to where somebody was brewing that kind of alcohol, working for them, cleaning for them in tattoos so that they could give her, you know, mm-hmm. alcohol to drink. And uh, her family life just 
fell apart. The children in alcohol, the husband was in alcohol, she was in alcohol, and they started to get into very loose living. And there was nothing. She became, she, her health also went under. She started really suffering some diseases. And then she came into the gospel. And then the Lord started bringing her out of that. And then the Lord started to bring her family back to life and started getting the children out of alcohol and out of, 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 of being used, you know, to alcohol. That's what you call, uh, well, when you use alcohol over and over and you become addicted to it, mm-hmm. out of addiction, the Lord brought her out of that, uh, started to bring the husband out of that and the children out of that. And these children who are not, who had even left school very early in life, some of them, like her son Job, went back to school when he was very old and went at a very lower age, a very lower grade, and went through school and graduated, and right now he's a nurse. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah uh, right now. And so the Lord just, just started picking each of them and cleaning them. And Hulda has a testimony, a very, very powerful testimony of what Jesus has done for her. She's a sister who's very, very special to us, but she works. And she says God gave her back her life uh-huh. to be able to tell people what Jesus can do. Do you remember what the catalyst was or what the, how, how Jesus reached out to her? Was it a, a member of the church or was it a... Yeah, it's somebody I don't want to mention. Oh, that's fine. I don't want to mention his name. That but just, but uh, someone that was a believer yes, reached was, out to... Yes, he was, a, he was a restoration member. He, he, he went to, 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 to actually went to visit Holder's son. Okay. When he went to visit Holder's son, and uh, he'll be able to teach Holder's son, but Holder was seated, was right there. So he'll be teaching Holder's son, uh, trying to bring him into the gospel, but Holder's son was there. And it was just uh, kind of uh, 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 an appointment. You can make an appointment with somebody. Can I come visit you and share with you mm-hmm. the gospel that this would, this person did? And over time, as time went, Holder started paying attention to this. And she was converted, and her son was converted, and she was baptized. And the day she was baptized, her testimony was like she was in the water and she was immersed in the water as she was coming out. She felt like she was in a cage, a very, very strong cage. And as she was coming out of the water, she felt like she was dying in the water because there was something which was holding her back in the water. But she felt like she was pulled out of the cage up into the water. And inside there, she was like, my goodness, I'm dying here. And she kind of reached out to God and said, Lord, don't let me die here. Mm-hmm. And so, truly speaking, there was spirits over her that would not have wanted her to come out of that because she was an agent for, for bad. Oh. But the Lord rescued her. She is a testimony. She has a powerful testimony as she's living a life that testifies of Christ Jesus. So the Lord, <clears throat> I'm sure, had divine inter- intervention uh, through her son and however that happened, uh, that, that someone brought the gospel into sure, the, sure, the home. Sure. I don't... Uh, I worked in an emergency room for a number of years, and we would see the same people come in over and over in the hospital with uh, uh, alcohol, just addiction. Uh, I think one one person we had, we counted up his visits. He had visited the emergency room more days than there were in a year because sometimes he would come in twice a day, every day. Uh, it's completely uh, that restriction, that uh, that cage of sin is uh, so hard to come out of it, it, it once you go so far that it like 
you need you need a miracle uh, for God to because there's no nothing left of your own willpower to be able to be strong enough to say I've had you know enough. And to imagine that this took place without medical, you know, procedures right. that help you to. to oh yeah, to the physical. That. This is this is just the spirit of God that uh, that mm. was able to come in and and deaden that part of you and give you a new life, and that's what has happened. Okay. Truly, truly, the work of the Lord. Eric, when you go into a home and you're meeting someone for the first time, how do you share Jesus? From from what angle or from what, or, or is it a case-by-case case basis? I would say it's a case-by-case, case, but I've always learned uh, a few areas that are standing out in terms of this gospel. And uh, one of the areas that's very, very important uh, for us, for our people back there, is a covenant, mm-hmm. because that makes sense to them. Okay. They understand that very, very well. And when you pick it and when you're able to show in the Book of Mormon, because the Book of Mormon really expands on the covenant very, very well. The Bible does, but the Book of Mormon expands it mm. very, very well and brings it so plainly that when you can point out and people say, well, you mean what this, this is what Jesus came to be? They can say, whoa, I had no idea. I just, you know, it makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. And another thing that uh, does uh, a, a good area to start from is uh, is uh, is uh, in Revelation chapter fourteen, uh, and, uh, which is uh, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven. That's also a very good uh, area to start from, because as you go line by line and look at those uh, each each sentence in that, uh, then you say, why would the angel, you know, uh, say this to the church, which is already there? Why? Would, because this man was seeing the church as it would be in the future. But this angel and this angel will be sent to the church. Why would it be saying this again? Why would it be declaring this again to the church unless something was wrong? Mm. Somewhere back there. The everlasting uh, gospel. Yes. So that also is, is a very good area to 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 you know to, to make presentation with yeah. yeah. When um when you talk about Jesus, on the way here you said uh you would feel hopeless without Jesus. Um, how do you balance uh, the hope of being with Jesus in heaven and knowing the frailties of men and our propensity to sin and to, to f- do things that aren't the best or always right? How do you get through those and then rely or have that hope in Jesus? I think what... Uh I would say is what comes to you is uh, is uh, settle this in your mind that you read that statement mm-hmm. scripture settle this in your mind when you know that this is my life uh, I don't have any other life outside this and uh, of course there'll always be we still walk in the flesh we still are here in the flesh so definitely there are going to be failures there are going to be moments when things are not exactly what they have to be but our Lord knew this. And, and we can trust him because one thing about the Lord is his love. Mm-hmm. And once you know that love is there, you know very well that you'll be home any day, any time. But the thing is, without him, I, I, can, I can do nothing. That's literally true because uh, there are times when, when, when uh, uh, I'm really limited uh, as to how I can get what I want. There are times when our child was sickly. Uh, my son, Presta, in the past was very, very sickly person. He's not altogether out of that. Where do I go to when the doctors can't give me answers? Mm. How? There are times when, as a young person, 
uh, as a young boy who was, uh, who was in school. I had no school fees whatsoever. There was just no school fees. But I wanted to go to school. I enjoyed going to school. I was performing well in class. But there was no school fees. And if no school fees, no school. So what happens? Prayed for miracle. God worked the miracle. And from that, we were able to move from grade school to high school to the university, purely on the merit of God. Because my parents were so poor, they could never be able to afford that. With that kind of experience, you realize your only hope, your only strength is Christ himself. That's what happens. You share briefly, and I've, I've heard you share before, but you were placed in a position to work with the government yes. in Kenya. Tell me a little bit about that and, and how the Lord brought that about. And, and did you see his hand in that? Were you able to have opportunities? I saw the hand of the Lord many, many times. One is that I never expected at all that I would be appointed with the government to go and work in, in that position. I never expected that. I was given a department government department to run. Uh, but uh, as a head of that department in a regional you know, government, but I was also given another office to run, which was supposed to have been a temporary appointment as a chief of staff uh, uh, to the governor. And, and so I thought that was supposed to have just been a temporary thing for as they look for somebody to fill that position. But they ended up saying, no, nope, you, you do this, you run this, both these offices, mm. you know, for the entire uh, five years, four or five years now. So I ran those two departments and, uh, and the Lord blessed me. I can say the Lord blessed me. It was, a very, it was out of my depth because of the environment. It is very political. Mm. Uh, for uh, an elder in the church, that was way out for me. Uh, politics is a place where you always look for bad people, and uh, they are bad, we are good, and that doesn't settle very well with the, with the minister of the gospel. The expectation being at times that it's okay to do things that are dishonest oh, yes. or, or oh, yes. to oh, yes. achieve the end result. Yes, yes, but you don't do that because the Lord gives you opportunity to be there for a reason. And uh, looking, depending on how you uh, you got yourself there, because I never I never wrote a letter of application. No, I was just appointed. I never expected at all. Wow! I just it just happened to be called to come and help, and that's how it started. So the Lord must have a reason to have me there, and uh, and I was going to try that. And I know that with many weaknesses, I must have failed many times, but I kept trying. And one of the things that I know that I did, uh, the Lord helped me to do, uh, uh, there are a number of good things that, that we did that were excellent. But I think one thing that, that were good, but I think one thing that I would uh, praise the Lord for was the fact that uh, my boss, every single day in the morning, every single day, before we started our work, we sat down to read scriptures and pray every single day. Every Monday, first Monday, first day of the week, we invited a church minister to come and bring ministry to him and his immediate staff mm. to share with us in scriptures and then tell us what the public is is where the public is hurting, what they what the people need, and then to pray for us that we may be able to serve the public well. And every single first Monday of the month, all the senior officers, the secretaries of the government, sat together in a hall and we invited one minister from different church groups 
to try to come and bring prayers and teach the sectors. All of us, it doesn't matter what your religious affiliation was, you sat there and you, you, you received ministry. And that we did for the entire five years that we were there. Oh, my. I praise a lot for that. I can't even imagine our government here doing something like that. That's amazing. Oh, it happened. It happened. <laughs> it happened. And that's the one thing that I just praise a lot for. Yep. And I work for a very good man. Yep. What would you say to uh, those of the Restoration faith that, uh, as you pointed out earlier, you used to love to come to Waldo and the church would be filled uh, with the saints and you can see that kind of um, fading away and getting smaller and smaller. And, and uh, what would you say to the saints uh, to f- as a message of hope or as uh, what to look to or, or how to just carry on uh, as things get worse in the country and as the church seems to be diminished? I think uh, it's always good to see if you see something good and if you know it's really good, if you know it's really the best that's there, then you understand that you're going to work for it. I think giving up that, oh, well, I'll just settle for anything and leave that alone. Uh, I don't think that I don't have that in me. I think the saints would better just know that that's what the Lord says. He says he wants us all together. I believe that the Lord wants us all together. And so I'd like, I'd, I'd ask us to work at it, pray at it. The one thing that makes a difference any day, any time is commitment. That's what makes a marriage work. It's because you're committed at that point. Mm. Uh, it's not because your wife is, is good all the time. It's not because your husband is the dream man that you had in your life. No, but it's because you're committed. That commitment is what works. And it does matter how much, how much we look like we are far apart. If we are committed, that that's, that's where the Lord wants us to be. That's, where, that's the work that we have to do. Mm. And remember, like in a marriage, marriage is work. Marriage is a lot of work. There are many times that uh, you would uh, want to correct your wife uh, <laughs> as a man, but I'd better just let it be because, <laughs> because it's good to leave it, you know? It's good to leave it right where it is. <laughs> and, and so I would ask the saints never to give up because the work of Zion requires all of us. And when I look at the, what's taking place in a place like Kenya today, the work has just exploded. Mm. We are working right now with 13 missions. 10 missions. 13. 13 missions. We've had to stop progressing beyond that because we are shorthanded in oh. terms of men. And we know that if we go beyond that, we are not going to be able to build these groups and uh, they'll be weak. So mm-hmm. we have to build this 13, build leadership until those leaders can be able to take care of this 13. That's when we can move forward. We need this place. We need the center place to be strong. Other than that, the branches are going to overcome, you know, this time. It will not work. So we need you strong. And uh, this is where the testimony comes from, before it goes outside there. There's no way we can cheat ourselves that we can be strong outside there. The church can be strong outside there. And the church is weak here. That won't work. The design was not like that. And God, in his government, has a way that he has designed how he's government works and it is that the center place has to be strong for the rest of the body to be able to function the way they want. So we want you to be strong. We are insisting the church has to be strong because for our, even just for our sakes, we need you to be strong here. 
what is your perspective on Zion and the gathering uh, from being uh, in Kenya? Um, do you see saints uh, in that country coming here or to the Jerusalem uh, over in Israel? Or do you have any perspective on that or have not? One of them is uh, like myself. I'm of the house of Ephraim. Mm-hmm. That's my, my, my patriarchal blessing. And so I truly believe that those that will have to come here, like myself, uh, there are those who may have to go to Jerusalem, depending on what their lineage is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, but that's just the way, the way the Lord will be able to point it out for them. But that's, that's, that's true. That's going to happen. I mean, you look at if the things that, uh, that were told us were going to take place in this world in which we lived, and some of us be like, how will that ever happen? Now they are the things which are there. So these things that the Lord tell us, they will happen. They will happen. I don't think it will take very long before they happen because the climax is coming. Things can't be so bad as they are right now and we still hope that we have much time. <laughs> no, no, no. Mm. I don't think we have much time. Well, brother, we've almost filled up an hour. Uh, I wanted to give you just five minutes or as long as you want. Just anything else you would want to say or anything that's on your heart today? I would uh, just encourage anybody who's hearing to look to Christ Jesus. Everything that's impossible for us to achieve, everything that we've tried through our means and can't get it, in Jesus will be done. And that's how it was designed. That when our power, when our abilities, when our efforts fail, we turn to him. That's how it works for everything, whether you are going to the hospital and then all of a sudden you realize you can't get treatment from the hospital, whether whatever you're doing, then you turn to the Lord. That's in every aspect of our lives. When we finally turn to him, he does it. For the church, when we fully turn to the Lord, it will happen. Right now, we have so many solutions on how we want to fix this problem. That will not do it. When you fully turn to the Lord, then it will happen. Fully, <clears throat> fully turn to the Lord. You talked a little bit about um, prayer and how important it is, especially when uh, you don't have other medicine or physicians or anything like that. Well, what about over here where we we do have so many opportunities just Speak, and we'll end on this, speak to the importance of prayer in, uh, in a believer's life. I know that uh, for, for my life, prayer is the most important item. That's the one thing that my parents gave me that I will forever and eternally be grateful. I got to know how to pray as a little guy. And uh, in this country, I know that uh, you have so much, uh, but time is running and going to change very, very fast. If one is not invested in that relationship, if one has not learned to rely on the Lord, uh, things are going to be very difficult, even for you people here. Uh, because all these things can change within no time and they'll simply be gone. That has happened before. We've read in history how empires have been built. There's no reason why America should be different. No. It would be a lie to think that America can be any different when these have happened before and they've crumbled to nothingness. Things will change. The only thing that can ever change is our relationship with our Lord. 
The one thing that works is when we keep in communication with the Lord, praying all the time. The scriptures tell us to pray without ceasing. That means whether you're driving. That means whether you're working here. Prayer is not about closing your eyes and then, then being on your knees. That's a part of prayers. Mm. Prayer is about talking to God, whether you're driving, whether you're walking, whether you're working. Prayer is being in the mode of prayer and God helping you with your tasks on a daily basis as you talk to him. That's what prayer is. And he wants us to be, he wants to be involved in our lives, in everything that we do. He just does not want to come in when we're in trouble. He wants to come in when we are reading. He wants to come in when we are repairing something. He wants to be there when we are walking, when we are cooking. He wants to be a part of every part of our lives. That's what he wants to be. He wants to know what we are going to cook. He wants to help us to, you know, prepare our menu, prepare our meal. He wants to be there with us. He wants to walk with us. Mm. Yes. And very hard to develop that relationship under pressure or when, when things are going uh, bad or downhill to try to develop that relationship then is, I can only imagine, um, well, if anybody's ever been in a point in their life where their, their prayer life had not been real great and some tragedy comes along, you know, where did that leave you? How, how easy was that? Did you feel that connection? And probably the answer would be no. It's, it's a state of panic, like, oh, I should have been prepared for this. That's the one thing, as long as you're aware that, oh, but he loves me. Mm-hmm. Then you can turn back, whatever the time, however far you're gone. Just know one thing, but he loves me. But he loves me. That's what it is. But it helps a lot to be in that relationship with him all the time because you feel you, feel you can turn back. You don't have to turn back because he's right there with you. Uh, uh, that's what it is, yeah. Well, brother, thank you for uh, coming and sharing. Um, we'll talk, and I hope to come back. I want to really hear what you have to say about the covenant. The covenant, yeah. I'd like to. Yeah. Well, we will hopefully be able to do that. Um, blessings to you and your ministry while you're here. Thank you very much. And uh, if anybody has time to come to Missionary Religion Branch on Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday, we'll be teaching a covenant class there. Covenant so, class yes, this Sunday. This Sunday at Missionary. Okay. Class. And then on uh, March 10th through the 13th, again, um, a series Thank preaching. You. Sure. Okay. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Mother Stay.